This is episode 54 of the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading, thanks for streaming. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to quickly bring up our October 1230 challenge. The challenge for this 30 days of October is getting outdoors for a minimum of 30 minutes every single day. That'll score you a point because we're keeping points. It's competitive. So 30 minutes outside gets you a point. But if it's in actual nature, if you're in the woods or on the trail or hiking in the mountains or away from town or the city, it doubles up your points. Every 30 minute block in the day is a point. So see when you can score the highest we've had so far in the challenge this month is five points in a day. See if you can top that. But again, every single day, that's the key. Get out for 30 days, get outside, grab the kids, grab the dog, hike, jog, walk, sprint, bike, do whatever it takes, but enjoy the great outdoors. It's a beautiful time. The leaves are turning. The air's got a nice chill in it. Get outside. You'll love it. Now, today's guest is a three-time Olympic medalist, twice gold, once in Vancouver, once in Sochi, and a silver medal in Pyeongchang. It's none other than Rebecca Johnson, star of the Canadian women's national hockey team joining us to talk about growing up in a massive family, competition with brothers and sisters, pushing her to be the best athlete she could be, and getting her all the way to the women's national hockey team. Her story is great. She's got some awesome insights into what it takes to be a champion. Don't miss this episode and please share it with everyone you know. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. We're back. It's the Empowered Athlete Podcast. I'm Paul Durden, joined by my lovely wife, Kari Schneider, and we are stoked. We're revved to have Rebecca Johnston on the show. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us, and we are so excited to learn about you, your story, what got you into hockey, and all the amazing experiences it's brought to your life. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this is pretty cool because, I mean, we get to chat with all kinds of athletes, but you're a three-time Olympic medalist, and it's the kind of thing that that's relatively rare in the world of sports. So Yeah, there's not a lot of those around. <laughs> you know, it's just like finding four-leaf clovers and that kind of thing. So, And we're, we're lucky to um, know you from a few years back, so... We, you know, we want to get into some of the history of how you got to where you are, because knowing you and knowing some of your background, you've got tons of siblings, all of which were in sport. You've got really supportive parents and you were just kind of naturally good at a whole bunch of things. So how, when you were younger, how did that all get you into hockey? What drew you to that sport? I think um, at a young age, I, I played multiple sports, like you mentioned. Um, I was really into soccer, basketball. I did track and, track and field at a high level and, and hockey. And those were the main sports that I really enjoyed. And uh, I think growing up, um, not like, like nowadays, I find a lot, of, a lot of kids focus solely on one sport and, and try to um, critique that as much as possible. I, I really focus on a wide variety of sports. Um, I just love playing. I love to be outside. I love to be with my siblings and my friends. And 
um, just doing anything active basically. So um, for me, it was, it was playing sports and that was like my fun time and my social time. Um, so growing up, uh, I did that. And I think hockey definitely was my true passion. It was a sport that I absolutely loved to play. And I remember I would always come home from school um, when I was younger and call my mom at work and say, when are you going to be home? When are you going to pick me up? Um, you know, you can't, you can't be late because I have practice at this time because I was always just so excited to be outside, uh, to be at the rink, um, you know, on the ice. And that was, that was where I loved, um, you know, where my heart was and, and where I really uh, enjoyed to be. So I think, at a young age, I realized that hockey was my true passion, but I really enjoyed doing doing a bunch of sports, um, you know, in the summertime and and focusing on other things as well. Do you, do you think that um, the draw to the sports originally was because of your siblings, or do you think it was just um, or your parents, or do you think it was just something that you know you had extra energy to burn off? You loved it, and you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't get enough of all kinds of different team sports, especially. I think I think it's just kind of it's how we we grew up. Um, you know, all my siblings played a lot of sports, and I I looked up to my siblings, and I think that's how that's how I started into hockey. Both my sisters and my brothers played, and I remember the first time I went on the ice it was the outdoor rink. Um, I was on the same team as my older brother and two older sisters. And so I was really young. I was four years old um, and didn't really know how to con- t- uh, like stick handle or shoot or anything, but I could, I could skate fairly well. So I just kind of skated around and I just enjoyed to be out there with my siblings. I, I really looked up to them um, and just even playing road hockey and all that, just playing sports with them, I think was the main, the main reason why I probably started to play sports at a young age. Uh, also, my parents were very athletic as well, and um, so they definitely instilled in us the importance of, you know, being active, being outside. Um, you know, we definitely didn't play video games or watch TV that much growing up. I, I'm curious to know, and you've got two younger brothers as well, right? Yes. Okay, so what was the dynamic like? Obviously, everyone's active and playing sports, and you're doing things together. Was it hyper competitive? Was it supportive? Was it a mix of that? Because I mean, you know, as a young kid, I remember playing street hockey with friends and brothers would often fight or, mm-hmm. you know, just be at each other all the time. Or, you know, like what was the dynamic? Like you've got so many siblings, I guess maybe there's a little bit of everything, but what was, yeah. what was the general environment like? Um, you know, I, it, the funny thing is, is you would think that my family, you know, hated each other or like would hate to play sports because it always ended in a fight, always. Um, <laughs> and I think that's just our competitive nature is that we're all so competitive and we all want to win yeah. and we don't want to lose and we get that from each other. So I think, you know, it was a good thing and probably a bad thing at the same time because we didn't enjoy it as much or it always ended up in, in my parents yelling at us. But um we we definitely pushed each other and I think I can I can really say that um you know a lot of my success today is is because of my siblings and the rivalry and the and the competitiveness that we had when we were younger and even growing up today I mean I still go on the ice with my brothers um and they push me and they definitely don't don't let me get off easy so um (laughs) and same with my dad my dad's always been very um you know tough tough on me in terms when it comes to sports and um 
push pushed me to be better uh, yeah. every day. So well, that's great. So to give people to give people an idea of how accomplished you are, you've you've played at Cornell University. You've had multiple um, championship medals. You've got two gold medals from the 2010 and 2014 Olympics, plus the silver from the 2018 Olympics. You know, there's a ton there. I, I, I can't even begin to dive into, you know, what led to what, but can you look back on all of your success and kind of discern a pivotal time that really caused a lot of growth for you what was maybe a challenge that you overcame what do you think made the big difference that caused you to take the step up that maybe you needed to at the time yeah um I think there's two um points that I I would like to talk about that I think were um, definitely a big part in in um in my growth as as a hockey player but also as as a person and um i think i really matured uh going into college um uh, my after my freshman year i i definitely was not prepared to be on my own my first year of college i mean i i hadn't left home um at all i i grew up just in sudbury living at home and and playing i know a lot of people nowadays go to prep school and and, and play there, but I, um, you know, stayed at, at home, played, played, uh, for a club team at, at home in Sudbury and, and then left for college. And I think I learned a lot about myself, um, you know, what I can do, especially in the classroom, uh, with grades and, and being diligent that way. Um, my parents are always so strict with, um, the importance of getting a good education, um, getting good grades and, and, um, education was just so important uh, to them. And so to have them always on, on my back, you know, you have to do your homework before you can do this. And then going into college, um, it was quite a transition. I didn't have that. And I think it took a year for me to, to really figure it out and realize that, oh, I, I do have to go to class. I can't miss um, a class or, or go out with my friends um, instead of doing my homework. So, you know, being a student athlete, uh, is, is tough and you really have to manage your time appropriately and, um, get all your homework done before, and then having to go to practice and train and focus on hockey as well. There's very little time for the social part. And I quickly realized, realized that after, after my, uh, freshman year. And, um, I think I really grew as a person and, um, just figuring out what how I learn and, and how to study. What was the wake up call? Like, was it, was it poor grades or was it the panic at exam time? What was the kind of smack in the face? Yeah, I would say both the panic and I definitely <laughs> didn't, didn't do as well my, my freshman year in terms of grades. Um, and I quickly learned my lesson and I, after that I was totally fine and, and got and received good grades the last three years of, of uh, college. But um, yeah, that definitely was, was the sign where I was like, okay, I need to, I need to figure this out or else this is not going in the right direction for me. Um, and would your hockey team have suspended you or anything like would the, would the Cornell team have taken action? Oh, for sure. I mean, at an Ivy league school, like education is number one and, and, uh, varsity sports is, is second. So, 
uh, you have to be above a certain uh, GPA for, for you to continue to play. So that was definitely, uh, a, you know, something where I, I didn't want to fall below that. Um, and, um, and just for myself, I mean, I knew I could, I could do better than, than I was. And um, so I just had to, had to really figure out how to prioritize my time appropriately and, um, you know, get all my schoolwork done and be able to train and, and go to practice as well and, and be focused when I'm there. So. You, you, um, you graduated with a degree in communications, right? Yes. And did you know at that time what you wanted to do with that type of degree? No, I, I don't. I did not. And I still do not. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost 30 years old and I, I'm still a hockey player. But um, no, I, I definitely would love to, to stay in sports in some, in some capacity. Uh, I mean, I love being around, um, you know, that competitive um, atmosphere and I, I mean, hockey, it would be awesome. So I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, but, um, I have had some part-time jobs just to gain some experience and try to figure out, uh, things that I like and don't like and, um, where I can see myself when I'm done playing. Nice. And what, um, what would you say is the second? Right. The second was, yeah. What was the, that? We got the first of the kind of maturing that you went through at school. It was the second big kind of pivotal moment for you. Yeah. So I, I definitely had some, some struggles throughout my career. And uh, I, I would say the first one, uh, I'm, I mean, I've had two, I've had a back injury that um, took me out of the season for like three quarters of the year. Um, but also one of the struggles was before 2010. So 2009, I mean, I went to Cornell University for two years, and then I was asked to be centralized uh, for the 2010 Olympic team. Um, so what that means is 28 players are asked to move to Calgary and train there from August up until the Olympics in February. Um, and then cuts were made throughout the year, and, and they, have, they had to make six cuts uh, throughout the year um, and make that final roster before Christmas in December. And, um, for me, I was asked to be centralized in 2009 and usually, you, you know, you'd be so excited. And I was, I was, um, at the time I was struggling with, with confidence. Um, I really, you know, put a lot of pressure on myself in college. I, I knew that scouts would be there all the time. I'm at my games. Like I knew I always had to perform every game and, I really am competitive that way. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to be the best every game. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist on the ice. So uh, at the time I, I didn't know how to deal with all that pressure and, um, and my confidence was, was down and I, I just wasn't enjoying the game. Um, and I forgot how, what, it, you know, what the feeling was when I was playing when I was younger, why I started playing hockey in the first place. And I got away from that and, um, you know, that can happen at a, at a high level when you're training, um, you know, full time for, for a sport and, and trying to make the, the highest level possible. So for me, that was that was a time where, you know, I, I almost didn't I didn't want to um, even try to make the Olympic team at the time. I just was like so down and not and not motivated to, to be there and had no confidence in, in my abilities and didn't believe I should be there. And my dad. Um, 
was really good and he he pulled me aside and, and just told me how great of an opportunity this is which it obvious was and I knew that but I just wasn't having fun at the time and so he he really um you know t- talked to me and told me I I would you know regret this for the rest of, the, of my life if I didn't you know give it a shot and there, I really had nothing to lose um did, did you feel that there's something about the process with the national team and the selection that created that insecurity or lack of confidence in in yourself because obviously you're having massive success at Cornell you know you were you know one of the top NCAA players but then brought into that environment your confidence is shaken a bit as you're describing it is it what was it something specifically about the environment or just the pressure of wanting to be on that team like what was it if you can pinpoint it yeah I think it would be a, a mix of both I mean I think there was the the pressure from, um, you know, the national team to to always be at your best, um, you know, to wanting to crack that roster. And then when I w- was invited to the, um, the centralization, like I still hadn't made the team. So I still had to, um, you know, make that roster in December. And there was going to be five people that were cut. And, and I just, you know, I didn't have the confidence and belief in myself that I, that I, I was going to make that team. And um, I think the years prior um, on the national team, you know, you're playing with all these amazing players that you grew up watching play and it's intimidating and it's scary. And I was, I remember when I was young, I was just, I mean, I was, uh, my first Olympics, I was 19 turning 20. Like the first time I was on the, the national team, was I was 17 years old and I was scared shitless. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk. Like I I wasn't just like, it almost wasn't that fun for me because I was so nervous and shy and and scared all the time. And um, so that, that is not an environment. If, you know, if you feel that way, it's, it's, it's not an environment for you to succeed. I mean, I, I didn't play the best hockey. I mean, I go to Cornell at school and I'd play way better than I would when I was with the national team. And, it's because I was so scared, intimidated, nervous, and I didn't have the mental strength and ability that I, you know, do now um, to be able to deal with that. And um, I think the turning, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think the turning point for me was in in 2010, um, you know, my dad was like, he just kind of tried to talk me through it and said, "You, you have nothing to lose. You might as well go and give it your all um, don't be scared every time you're on the ice, just have confidence and believe in, in what you bring. And, you know, if it's, you know, just bring your speed, bring your energy um, and just don't worry about anything. Cause you know, if you get cut, you get cut, you already believe you're going to get cut. So you might as well just try. Um, and in August uh, we had a pre-Olympic tournament and I uh, did really well Um I was with two line mates and, and I played really well with them and I had a really great tournament. And then from there on, um, you know, we stayed together as a line and I just gained confidence from there and, and was like, wow, maybe I do belong here. Um, I can play at this level. You were starting to get the evidence along the way. Yeah. And, and what, I mean, what you were experiencing, the lack of confidence and some of that um, lack of self-belief along the way, what, how was it manifesting in other ways? Like you obviously had the anxiety, but were you also going through, you had the nervousness, um, but was there a lack of sleep? Were you, 
you know, like, were you having a hard time eating? Was there like, were there other things that were going on that was just starting to eat away at you? Um, not that I can remember. Um, remember and I'm still this way like to this day is that I, I I still have to work on my my mental side of the game and I that's something that I still um struggle with at times and need to to really work on and, and, and focus on throughout the season and um because you know the mental side of the game is something that can really hold a player back if um you know if they don't have the ability to for sure to to focus or to you know to have that confidence and um gain that energy from that so for for me I I just think the the mental side of the game was is definitely a weakness of mine and um I can have a lot of confidence one day and then it can be shaken pretty bad the next day and so being able to adapt and um you know just go back to your core core values and what you believe in and what you believe that you bring um it's it's really hard sometimes but um I think that for me is just I'm, I'm a sensitive person and it's uh I read into things a lot and so that's just kind of my nature and it can bite me in the butt sometimes if if you don't mind I think it'd be really valuable if you could kind of expand on kind of that self-talk that you're having when you feel a little bit shaken and what you're doing to get you know your your positive edge back like is there certain moments you're reliving or thinking about to take and draw confidence from or what what's your strategy if you give just a little more detail because i think that's so important because obviously you've been able to deliver like you don't win olympic titles mm-hmm. without overcoming these these moments and, and pushing through them so anything you could share for listeners i think would be amazing yeah i think um for me it's just going back to um it's a lot of self-talk. It's a lot of visualization um, for me and uh, just a lot of just remembering what my strengths are and what I bring and why. And I know that I belong to where I am. Like they, they chose me for a reason. So get, just always go back to uh, my, your strengths. Like, um, you know, I think about, okay, I have to bring my speed. I have to bring my, my smarts, my, um, you know, abilities to shoot, whatever that may be. I think you go back to to those things and you focus on those. And especially during the game, uh, you know, if you have a bad shift and I come back off the bench, um, it's just trying to, you know, forget about wh- what had happened that shift and just be in the moment and focusing on, okay, well, how can I turn this around? Um, what am I going to bring? And focus on one thing that you're going to do that shift really well. Um Nice. You know, if you, it's it's when your mind starts to to go and you're like, okay, I have to do this and this and this, and I have to do this really well. And it's when you're focusing on too many things, um, it really you know creates a spiral, and and you're just trying to do too much, and then that's when things start to go in the wrong direction. There there are so many sports like hockey and soccer and rugby and volleyball that there are so many things that are out of your control that if if you allow those to get to you, you know, you're never going to feel like you're having any success at all. It's, it's only those things that you can control that allow you to feel like your confidence is building or like you can do what you want to do. Oh, for sure. I, that's another thing where, um, and I still have to have to do this and focus on this because I mean, I focus 
on things that I can't control. Um, and, you know, things will bug me or, or something that, you know, I try to evaluate something that like the coaches are doing. And I, I worry some, I sometimes worry too much about that. And uh, when really, you know, I, I can't control what's happening with other people. I can just control what I can do and my mindset. And um, it's so much easier said than done. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, a ma- an important thing is to just focus on, on what you can control and what you bring. Now you you ended up with a a pretty serious back injury that pulled you off the ice for quite some time. That would fall right into that realm of okay, that feeling of being out of control because you you can't do what you've always done. You've always been so physical, and and when it comes to your your fitness, your training, your ability on ice, you were always such and and still are just such a, a physical phenom. So tell us about the injury. What happened there? Yeah, so um, I had a, a, I had back issues before I had heard it. Um, so in 2007, around I uh, my first year of college, um, the summer before that, I was I was having back issues and back pain, and I wasn't sure what it was. And I got an X-ray; it didn't show anything. So I just assumed everything was okay. And I went to college and. Um, before in preseason, before I even played a game, I had fallen into the boards weird and um, something kind of went and, and my L5 uh, actually just a part of it broke off um, in my uh, in my back. So I had a lot of pain for, for two weeks. It was hard to to walk for me. Um, and it was just, it was just, uh, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I, I think I went back a little too soon. Um, you know, I started playing like two and a half weeks later. Um, I had like a back brace, um, but it just took some, a lot of pain medication basically. And do you think uh, it was you, you that got you back too early or was it, uh, did you feel like there was a school pressure to get you back too early or a bit of both? Uh, maybe a bit of both. I, I, I think we just thought it would be fine. I, I you know, I was like, I didn't want to miss any games. So I said, I, yeah, I can do this, whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah. And I think it, for the most part, it was, it was okay. Um, I, I definitely was in pain throughout, throughout the year. I wasn't able to run for a whole year, which is something I love doing as you know. Um, uh-huh. But uh, so I, I definitely had caused some issues and I think me going back soon, um, you know, I, I, started to move differently uh, to protect my back when I skated. Um, so I think it caused issues down the road. So it might, I think it was 2015, 2016 season um, uh, is when it's really started to get bad again. And um, I, I've always had back pain after that, but nothing to this extent. And it, it started to affect my, my hips. And I, I basically kept pulling my hip flexor every time I tried to skate. Um, mm. and I was, had no clue what was going on. And the worst thing about this injury, it was like, there was no clear cut. Okay. This is what's, what's hurt, or this is what's the, the problem. And so you just have to do this and then it will be better. It was more of like, we're going to try this. Um, you know, you definitely have some inflammation here and my, basically my ligaments were hypermobile in my back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so they moved too much, uh, which caused a lot of issues around my hips. And um, so my hips and glutes were really weak and uh, I wasn't able to skate without pulling something. And so I basically got a procedure, I got uh, prolo injections uh, all throughout my ha- my back and my hips. Um, basically it stiffens your ligaments. So, cause they were too mm-hmm. hypermobile. So it stiffen- stiffened them so that they would stay more sturdy. So when I uh, skated, I'd have more support in my back. Um, and that was a really long process. It was, it took, I mean, you had, you, I had to get about six to eight injections and you had to wait at least two weeks in between each one. So it took a, it took a while to, to get it all complete. And then you needed to rest and make sure. And then it was a slow process after that, you know, you can only skate 50%, 70%, 80%. So, um, it was quite the regimen that I had to do each and every day. And I had a lot of physio every day. Um, quite the exercise and patience too. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. The men- mean, mental side. I went Did from you- never missing any hockey games. Like I never had to watch hockey, um, at my team play in the stands, um, to, you know, missing a- almost an entire season. And that was, that was the tough thing for me was, um, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to be out. I didn't know after this, um, these injections if you could if play. They would even help me play Work. exactly yeah. um, you know everyone reacts differently to them and I fortunately what reacted really well to them so um, I I was just the future was unknown for me and and that was the scariest thing and um, you know was I able to w- will I be able to play at 100% when I'm back you know will I be able to play at all or and you know is this is this my time to retire so for me, was that tough emotionally and mentally? Like, were you were you pretty down, or were you trying to stay really positive throughout? Um, I definitely, I definitely was down. Um, but I, I also had a lot of, uh, I had a few really great friends that actually outside of hockey that I had turned to and was able to to see and um, be around because I just felt like it was really hard to be around the team all the time and. Um, not be able to to play and so to have you know the an outlet where you know I have a couple friends that that weren't involved in hockey at all and um but they were involved in sports they're um one was a figure skater the other was a speed skater and so they they kind of helped they helped me we got became really close that year and I was able to to see them I had a lot more time on my hands obviously so I think they helped me through it too as well um but it definitely I think I grew as a person um, for sure. I mean, mentally uh, being able to to deal with that. And I think for me, it was the process and I really focused on my workouts and my uh, exercises and was really diligent that way because I knew if I did everything to T and everything that I needed to do um, as the best I could, then I'd get back sooner. So I really focused on on doing whatever I could so that I can get back playing as soon as possible. And make that outcome as highly likely as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell you, physio exercises are not fun. You have to do it every day. (laughs) Um, Was that in Calgary or was that in Toronto? That was in Calgary, yeah. And did you know anyone who'd had the same procedure so they could at least kind of talk you through it? No, no, I had no, no, I didn't know anyone. 
um, but at lots, least lots of nice. people hadn't heard of it or anything. So, yeah. Did it, it, I mean, at least it's nice that the friends you had, even though they're not in hockey, they get the high performance mentality. They understand likely some level of injury if they've been through something as well and can like have your back and, and really get who you are versus um, someone that's a friend who's not an athlete or someone who just doesn't understand. Oh, for sure. I mean, they both, I mean, I had some great friends on the team, but at you know, a lot of the points, especially when they were gone or playing and I, I didn't go like travel. Um, it yeah. was nice to be able to see these other friends and they actually were both going through different things in their lives that they were struggling with as well. So it almost seemed like it was, you know, we helped each other in, in different ways. Now you're, you, you mentioned a little while ago that you're a 30 year old hockey player. You're not sure what you want to do exactly with your degree Mm-hmm. clearly as as a human your identity is really really wrapped around hockey as well what give give listeners a sense of what it's like to make a living or you know what kind of whether it's sponsorships or what kind of finances occur being being a medalist in women's hockey because every sport is so different and in talking to different sports, you know, we're talking to Olympic snowboarder or a curler or a rugby player, and we're getting a real sense for different Canadian or professional athletes and, and what the lay of the land is when it comes to earnings. What's it like for a female hockey player in, in your situation? Um, I would say, I mean, we're fairly fortunate. We're, I mean amateur athletes we're not getting paid millions of dollars um we really play the sport because we have a passion for it and we love we love playing we love what we do um same you know our us we i mean i love i love playing and i'm I'm fortunate i'm i'm able to to make a you know a, a livable um wage while playing and you do rely on on sponsorships uh a lot you rely on um you know, that heavily, actually, I mean, it helps, it helps a lot and um, to have that support. And there's always a lot of people and companies that want to support Olympic athletes and, uh, you know, our fans and, and um, are, are really supportive of what we do and are, are proud that we represent our country and, and work so, so hard to, to do so. So um, that's, definitely a major thing and we're also you know supported through hockey canada and the government uh through carding money which is which is uh very helpful as well so um i mean hockey players we are we are fortunate to have a lot of support um but it is also tough for for us i feel like in terms of sponsorships where you know it's a team it's a team sport mm-hmm. um you don't we don't get that um, TV uh, promotion, the media promotion as much, um, especially even with our games. I mean, we have masks on. You can't really see what our, our face. So you, people don't really know who we are and we don't, they don't have that, um, you know, the, we don't have that. The, the celebrity. Image. Yeah. 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 So, you well, know, and, like and I can be walking down the street and, and I mean, I do walk around the street and no one, no one notices me because no one, no one knows who, who I am. And it is, it is, tough to have that um media image because you know when we are on tv 
um, it's tough to know what we actually look like. And I get that all the time. They're like, oh, like, I didn't know that's what you looked like. Or I didn't know. Um, well, and compounding that problem as well is just the fact that, you know, the IOC locks down all of your images, all of the video. So somebody can't go online and, you know, relive games that you guys have played. It's all locked down. So in terms of, you know, young fans in the mm -hmm. country wanting to watch Team Canada games from the Olympics, it's a real challenge. Yeah. That is, a lot, yeah, that is true. I was just going to ask, along those lines, have you seen... How has the landscape of women's hockey in Canada changed like from participation standpoint or from because uh, kind of however you want to describe it so, you know it's been ten years since you guys won gold in Vancouver has, yeah has wh what have you seen being you know at the pinnacle of hockey in Canada? Have you seen changes at the grassroots level what what do you see going on in women's hockey in general yeah i would I would say um ever since 2014 um that gold medal game at the olympics and it's so funny because every four years um you know women's hockey is um at the olympics is the most watched sport everyone loves it everyone wants to watch it um and 2014 was definitely the turning point and i think it really put women's hockey on the map uh just you know how exciting that game was it was a, a fairy tale ending for us um you you definitely could have uh, made a movie, um, you know, about that, that game in that Olympics uh, for us and just the road that we were on, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't looking uh, very promising for, for us, especially in that last game. And we were able to come back uh, after a two nothing deficit and, and tie it up and then win it in overtime. It was um, everything about that game was, uh, you know, was surreal. And um, I just, people still talk about it to this day. And I, and after that game, I remember coming home and every, everyone was talking about it. It was all over the news. I didn't realize how big it was until we got back to, to Canada and, and realized that um, how, you know, how proud everyone was, but more, but just how um, crazy of a game that was and, and how people realize how great women's hockey is and the talent you know, the speed, um, everything about the game and, and people love watching it. And I think 2014 was definitely a turning point where like, where a lot of people that might not have watched women's hockey before definitely jumped on, on the bandwagon. Um, also just growing up in, in, when I played, uh, in Sudbury, I had to play on a guy's team and now I go, I go back and I, I see, uh, there's multiple girls teams from, from each age group. Um, there's, there's so many girls playing hockey now. There's the most enrolled uh, sport. I think it's, it's really growing. Um, and, you know, people, a lot of people are, are wanting to sign up for, for women's hockey and a lot of people are talking about it. And that's, that's just awesome to see. Yeah. That's great yeah. to hear. It's awesome. It, it is. It's such a, like, I know that for, for our kids, the opportunity just wouldn't have been there for my oldest. Whereas now for our youngest, it, it's an, an easy option because there's all kinds of options, especially around here mm -hmm. for, for girls hockey, whereas that just wasn't there before. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's neat to see. It's neat to see that change. And do you, what do you uh, like, what's next for you? Are you, 
Um, do you want to keep playing for a certain amount of time? Are you looking for career opportunities or, or both right now? What's, what's on the radar for you? Um, I think I'm, I'm definitely taking it year by year. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I'm going to be there in, in, in three more years for another Olympics, but I mean, it's definitely, uh, a goal that I, I, I want to, um, you know, achieve and work towards. Um, but I'm def- I I want to take it year by year, and I, who knows how my body will feel in three years? You know, I'm getting getting up there in age, and um, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, you never know what can happen in in three years. So for for me, I'm I'm just definitely taking it year by year, and, and focusing on on playing still for sure, and um, but also other opportunities, and and I can definitely work part time as well, or or uh, make connections that way, and and get a sense of what I want to do to make the transition from, from playing to, um, you know, the working world a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and right now you're in a, a situation of kind of waiting to see what's happening with the women's league. Yeah. So yeah, right now I'm just, we're just waiting, um, just to figure out, I just want to figure out where, where I want to be. I mean, I am from Ontario, um, from, from, Northern Ontario. So part of me would like to be close to home. Um, but I have had made Calgary my home for the last five years. So I, I do, I love it out there as well. So for me, it's just figuring out, you know, what, what's best for me and what will suit me in the long run for uh, just hockey wise as well in training. And you don't have a preference really, like you could go either place. They're so different. To, like they're to be so honest, different. To be honest, I I truly love Calgary. Um, it's just yeah. my my type of lifestyle. Like I'm, I'm I I love going hiking the, and I love you got just the mountains. The, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah, and living so, in the in the city is a little bit is is to, totally opposite, basically. So yeah, it's intense. It's a, yeah. it's a different kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you have any other? kind of main before we wrap up with kind of some little personal questions do you have other main things that you want to share that maybe people don't know about you or you'd like to um let them in on oh geez um you'll think of it later when we're off air (laughs) i I probably will yeah i can't really think of, of anything now but now that you've now that you've worked more on the mental side of things, do you think you want to do your best or be the best? Ooh. See, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like I'm I'm a very competitive person, and um, yeah, I definitely. I think back when I was younger, I would have been okay with doing my best. Um. But now, I mean, I, I definitely want to always do my best, but um, I have, I guess, high expectations of myself. And for sure, I want to I want to be the best. I, I always want to be the best. And I work towards trying to trying to be the best every day on the ice and whoever I'm playing against. And um, that's just something that tr- drives me and pushes me to to keep working and, and trying to get better every day. That pressure you put on yourself. Always, yeah. yeah. And um, 
on some more personal side of things, do you have a favorite food or dessert? Oh, geez. Um, I'm really not very picky in terms of eating, but I do, I mean, for dessert, I love, I do love chocolate. Um, <laughs> I, I would say dark chocolate favorite, or milk chocolate. I like, I like dark chocolate. Um, but I also love, um, white chocolate pretzels for some reason. I just love them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so specific things that come up yeah. and, and what about like a favorite movie and favorite book? Oh gosh. Um, uh, I would say it really depends. I really like a, a lot of different movies, but, um, I, I, I mean like a funny movie. I like wedding crashers a lot. Um, <laughs> and like a mystery, I like mystery thriller. Like I like, um, I like double jeopardy. Nice. Um, yeah, there's like, I mean, I is, is that the one where she kills her husband because she's already been charged with it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a, I like, <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone listening. Just, I was just going to say, what, are, what yeah, are you doing? I was doing? like, what is double jeopardy? It's so from, but it's, I mean, it's uh, an older one. So yeah, that's why I was like, really now, reaching but, there. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Well, it, it is an awesome twist. <laughs> it is. I, do, I did. I like movies like that, so. Sweet. Um, <laughs> favorite book, I would say... I mean, I love... Um, I liked, I love the Hunger Games series, to tell you the truth. You know, when that came out, my, my daughter slammed it on the table in front oh, yeah. of me when I was eating a meal, and she just looks at me, she goes, read this. Yep. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, okay, thank you. And she stares at me, and she opens the page, it opens the cover and taps on it and says, read this now. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay. And so I did. And I read the series and yeah. It's, it's yeah. So I good. love the movies yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Harry, then I can also say Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter's always, I mean, read all oh, yeah. of them, saw all the movies. Yeah. So just, just started reading the first Harry Potter to our youngest, like a couple oh, really? ago. So, yeah. yeah. So the one that was in the stroller, you know, that one, Yeah. she's eight now. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. I know. So she's, now we're reading her Harry Potter. That's how old she is now. Well, um, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and then uh, what do you, what's a thing outside of hockey that you, it might be a hobby, but just something that you're really drawn to that's different than your sport. <laughs> tough questions. The it, true... it is a tough question. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like I'm not like I wish I could say like I could play guitar or like sing or something, but like I can't. But like, you I can't. Like I'm solely like like I feel like active, athletic. That's just kind of what I'm drawn to. So I mean, I love I love going hiking and and going for long walks. Actually, I go for like walks like every day almost. Um, that and just like reading i like to read yeah nothing really i'm not lame. nothing really exciting (laughs) (laughs) no but you know what you like that's that's key too so that's good (laughs) and then what what would you have as a tip to young young athletes 
or young hockey players, what would you give as a tip for them just going for their sport and following their dream? What's, what's there for you? Um, I think I would, I would say to, uh, I think just enjoy what you're doing and, um, you know, have fun with it. Uh, I feel like sports, it can get, you know, like I mentioned earlier, very competitive and, um, you can lose track of, of the fun and, and why you, uh, started playing a sport in the first place. And, um, you know, I think just, just having fun, uh, believing in yourself, um, you know, anything is possible if you just, if you really, if you just believe, I mean, like just having that mental side, side of it, it, it goes a long way. And, um, I'm a, I'm a small town, I'm from a small town, um, you know, played hockey, never dreamed of being, uh, able to, to compete at the Olympics, to, to make the team and to even win, you know, let alone win a gold medal, um, at the Olympics for Canada. And so, I would say to anyone, if you have a dream, um, just believe in yourself and, and work hard because it's not going to be easy, but um, believe that you can do it as anything is really possible. That's amazing. That's, that's excellent. So on that note, um, let's wrap up. We, we so appreciate having you on and it's, it's a real honor to chat with you and have you share some of your personal experiences um, and have people really understand how real you are and that what you go through is what other athletes go through as well, whether you're an Olympic medalist or not. And, uh, we really appreciate your time. Yeah. I think I want to say actually one more thing is that, um, I know like even me growing up, I feel like a lot of, you know, kids or, or people think that, you know, Olympians don't go through or high elite level athletes don't, you know, have problems or go through, um, struggles. Uh, it's just all easy sailing. And, um, I can definitely assure you that there's, there is nothing easy <laughs> about, you know, being an, an Olympian and, and being an elite athlete. Uh, you know, we're not superhuman. It's, we go through struggles, uh, you know, you go through lack of confidence, you go through injuries, you go through, uh, a lot of things. And, um, so it's, it is, good for people to know that that it's okay to, to struggle at times and um, it's okay to, to go through adversity because um, that is normal and you can just bounce back even stronger. That's awesome and so needed to hear like so many needs to hear that message from from people mm -hmm. like you so that's huge. Thank you so yeah. much Rebecca. No thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection.